As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, so that happened. We're going to talk about it real quick, and then uh, we're going to move on. So, yeah, let's just get started. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud and I don't We've been counting the minutes to kick off since Wednesday when it was announced that uh, Justin Fields was going to be our starting quarterback uh, against the Browns. Bear fans are very excited to see what the future was going to look like. And then Sunday at noon, the game kicks off. And <laughs> what we got couldn't really could not have gone any worse than it did. I mean, honestly, the only thing that could have gotten that could have uh, been worse would be Justin Fields suffering some kind of long term injury. That basically would have been like the cherry on top of yesterday's disaster what's going on everybody bear up and bear down for week number three uh and the bears were annihilated yesterday by the uh cleveland browns to the tune of nine sacks uh 47 yards passing i think 67 68 excuse me 68 yards passing that was actually reduced to one yard of net passing because justin fields was sacked nine times for 67 yards uh, in losses. So 68 yards passing minus 67 yards in losses, one yard of net passing. The silver lining for our young rookie quarterback is a, he survived the game somehow and B he didn't turn the ball over no interceptions, no fumbles, uh, or anything like that. So as far as that goes, it was already improvement over what he did last week against the Bengals where he did both. He fumbled the ball and he threw an interception. He did neither against a much, much better defense uh, in the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. So, guys, I just, you know, it's the the narrative and all we've been listening to for the last, I'm recording this on Monday morning. I didn't even have the steam to do this last night. Uh, I'm recording this on Monday morning. The, the the what we've been listening to for the last uh you know 20 hours or whatever it is um it was less than that but like 16 hours or so but just is that you know Matt Nagy is uh an incompetent fool that uh you know what he did what we thought he should do what we recommended he do he didn't do any of it not a thing to his peril you know to his peril he basically ignored uh, the outside, uh, you know, analysts. Not, not that I'm saying that not that any coach does listen uh, to the talking heads and and, uh, and what have you. It's just that he basically did the opposite of everything that was recommended, and then the Bears were shellacked on television uh, for the world to see by the, uh, by the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it just, 
it, it was it was a disaster. It was a bona fide disaster uh, on uh, on Sunday. So let's just go ahead and, and get into the list because believe it or not, I do have a decent list of bear ups uh, for this ball game. As a matter of fact, I only have one bear down. I know that sounds strange. Like you hear something like that. You hear a lot of bear ups versus one bear down. That is usually the equation for a bear victory of some kind where it's heavy on the positivity, low on the negativity. Uh, No, no, we got annihilated, but I still have a lot of people who deserve some praise uh, in this ball game and, and really one person responsible for everything that went wrong yesterday. So let's get into it. Here's the bear ups. Uh, bear up to our defensive front seven. The f- defensive line, Roquan and company uh, in, in, you know, in, the, in the, the backfield uh, on defense, uh, the linebacking core, I should say. Uh, outstanding. You know, most, uh, most specifically, Robert Quinn, another second and a half yesterday. Khalil Mack, two sacks yesterday. Actually left the game for a bit with a foot injury, came back. Played well. Angelo Blackson, another half sack. Akeem Hicks, I give a bear up to Akeem Hicks because he missed all of practice last week. I'm, I'm guessing he maybe got a flu uh, or something like that. I mean, there was He was doing Twitter exchanges uh, you know, over the week, asking people for home remedies to try to make him feel better, to help him breathe and, uh, better because you know, I think it was, he had a real bad chest cold. And you could see during the game, He's on the sidelines. He's bent over, you know, that kind of stuff. He was in, uh, he was not in good shape. He was not 100%. He probably should not have played yesterday, but he soldiered on. He was effective. He didn't get a sack yesterday, but he played his ass off and he showed up, unlike Eddie Goldman. So I should put Eddie Goldman on the bear down list, but I'm going to be fair to Eddie for now and say that the knee injury is legit. I'm just, uh, my patience is wearing thin with that. Um, bear up Mario Edwards. His debut gets a sack in the ball game, picking up right where he left off uh, with the great season he had last year uh, with the Bears. Uh, bear up Sean Desai. Our defense came to play, man. They came to play. And, and what happened to the defense is exactly what I thought would happen, which is they were on the field for 78 plays, and I think about 15 seconds short of 40 minutes of playing time on Sunday. They were out there for like 39 minutes and 48 seconds or something like that. They were five, basically just to break it down like this, they were five minutes short of playing three full quarters of defense on Sunday. And somehow they only allowed 26 points and managed to sack Baker Mayfield five times and fend off the uh, Cleveland Browns until the fourth quarter when it, when it all came apart. Going into the fourth quarter, guys, it was 13-6. to six. It was a touchdown game, and then the Browns kind of, you know, busted through the floodgates and scored, you know, 13 more points in the fourth quarter to make the deficit uh, more apropos to what was actually taking place on the field. Like, you've heard me say in the first two weeks of the season – I didn't think the Rams were 20 points better than us, and I didn't think we were only three points better than the um, Bengals last week. The Browns were definitely 20 points better than us yesterday, if not more, okay? Because they kicked four field goals. Maybe if they couple, you know, 
put a couple of more of those in the end zone, then that would feel more appropriate as to what the final score should have been. Like maybe it should have been 34 to six instead of 26 to six or something uh, like that for, for the level of, uh, of, of awful that we had on, on the offensive side uh, of the ball. But uh, I also want to give a bear up to Pat O'Donnell. Uh, not only did the, the poor guy punt like 96 times yesterday, he averaged 56.7 yards per punt. So he at least helped keep us on the right side of, you know, like a, to at least even out the field position battle yesterday. 56.7 yards per punt. He had a long of 63. And then finally, a bear up to Cairo Santos, who was the only offensive weapon that Nagy hasn't ruined to this point. So, uh, you know, his, he kicked uh, two more field goals yesterday. I think that puts him at, at 30 or 31 in a row. Like, he hasn't missed a field goal since, like, September of last year or something like that. Like, it's a, been a full calendar year since Cairo Santos has missed a field goal. And uh, whenever he's been called upon since then, he's been automatic. He even won us a game against Tampa Bay last season. So, that's it. You know, we, we, we showed up on defense. We kept ourselves in the ball game until the fourth quarter when basically they just succumbed to the volume. And that's what I was worried about happening because I didn't trust our offensive game plan. I didn't even know what it was, and I didn't trust it. And then it was – it could not have been any worse than it was, especially <laughs> – uh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Want to give these guys their due. Robert Coyne is showing up. He's playing good football. He's got, uh, well, I think that would put him to, if he had three and a half, two and a half going in, another one and a half gives him four in three games. So he's doubled his production from last year. We're going to make that joke over and over again just to kind of, you know, compare this year to last year. 15 games, 13 starts, two sacks for $15 million or whatever it was. We ended up paying him last year. And then three games in, four sacks. That's, yeah, that's what, we, that's what we got Robert Quinn for. And if they keep this up, the defense is going to be fine this year. They're going to be fine. With or without the help from the secondary. <laughs> which actually had a decent game uh, yesterday. But, um, you know, uh, Deion Bush, who was starting for the injured Deshaun Gibson, and Eddie Jackson both uh, whiffed on a tackle on the Kareem Hunt touchdown at the beginning of the uh, fourth quarter. Uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, ignoring one of my keys to the game, which was to come in under control, to not fly around, just go shooting uh, into gaps. He comes in, flying in with his head down, and Kareem Hunt just takes a little step to the side. And Eddie, and what made it worse is that Eddie Jackson was the final line of defense on that play. Once he got past Eddie, he was gone. So Deion Bush, he shot the gaps and could have made the tackle in the backfield for like a four-yard loss or something like that. But instead, he gets away from Kareem. He gets through uh, the second level or the line of scrimmage and into the second level and then makes Eddie Jackson whiff because, like I said, he came in, A, out of control, B, with his head down. So Kareem Hunt just took a step to the inside. Eddie Jackson goes flying past him. He finishes the, the last of the 29-yard of the trek into the end zone 
to take a 20 to six lead at the start of the fourth quarter. So yeah, other than that, they were pretty good or decent enough, I should say, which is why no one in the secondary gets a bear up or a bear down. Um, you know, real quickly, like the keys to the game, uh, the bears seem to follow them and except for one and it didn't matter. They, you know, well, Eddie Jackson broke the come in under control rule. Uh, we did not get the tight ends involved in the game, which, you know, wasn't really anybody's choice. Uh, the Cleveland Browns made that choice uh, for us. But we we kept the Cleveland Browns in third and long, <laughs> and they converted on first down anyway. And um, what was the other one? Oh, the stupid mistakes. We didn't have any penalties. Uh, we didn't have any foolish penalties like we had in the first two games. We didn't have any turnovers. So, I mean, I guess that's what kind of makes this whole thing worse is the beating that we were given was legit. We can't sit back and look at this penalty or that one going against us, this uh, call or, uh, uh, you know, fumble or turnover or whatever, changing the course of the football game. We didn't make any of those mistakes that where we beat ourselves kind of thing. We just got beat, period. And those are the ones that uh, are hardest to watch but I think easier to live with. Like they were just, they just kicked our ass. They just did. You know what I mean? So those are the bear ups. Positivity is over. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to the, what I'm sure will be fun for you. (coughs) This episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the Spotify green room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <coughs> okay, kids, here we are. Bear Down belongs to one person and one person only, and I think you all know who it is. So on the count of three, let's all say it together. One, two, three. Matt fucking nagging. What the fuck was that? You know, it was just the most anticipated debut in a very long time. 
You know, I mean, being on the conservative side, I think the only other debut that may have been as anticipated would have been week one of 2018, our first look at Khalil Mack. Since then, no real excitement as far as like, oh my God, we're all just sitting and twitching in our chairs waiting for kickoff to see what this is going to look like. You know, it just... Here's the thing. For a while now, we've been hearing that the Bears were targeting this coming Sunday, week four, against the Lions to start Justin Fields. Like, that was going to be his first start, or at least that's what we're hearing the plan was. And after yesterday's performance, that all starts to make a lot more sense. Maybe that was Nagy and company being very honest about what they knew they had in an offensive line, and that's what they did not want Justin Fields to be subjected to. Um, if that is the truth, then okay. Um, you know, but it's just like after the way the line held up against the Rams, after they did fairly well on last Sunday against the Bengals, <sighs> I mean, it just, I don't, but we also, Nagy went out of his way to protect himself against the Rams. The, you know, no passes over 10 yards, getting the ball out in under two seconds uh, kind of thing. We did none of that against Cleveland, okay? And we completely ignored the advice, not only of me, but a lot of people to protect the offensive line, to add chip blocks, max protection, and moving the pocket to offset the pass rush of the Browns. It's not like when we were moving the pocket with Mitch because moving the pocket was more of more of to help him read the field because Matt uh, uh, Trubisky had trouble reading the entire field. So if you're rolling out, you're cutting the field in half, you're limiting the people he has to watch, and you're also limiting the options that he has to choose from. With Justin Fields, we wanted to roll him out, A, because he's an extremely dangerous mobile weapon, and B, because we knew or thought we would have trouble with Miles Garrett breathing down his neck all day long. And we were 100% right about that because Miles Garrett, Garrett set the franchise record with four and a half. He had half of the nine sacks that uh, Justin Fields endured yesterday. So... <clears throat> You know, this is the this has been the problem with Nagy, literally from the beginning, and it's it would it reared its ugly head at its worst yesterday, because the thing with the pass rush wasn't something that we succumbed to at the end of the football game like the defense did, where just the sheer volume and the length of the drives and how long they were out there and all that kind of stuff they were literally just worn down. That's what happened with the defense. 78 plays, nearly four minutes, or excuse me, 40 minutes of uh, time of possession uh, for the Browns. You know, And like I put it at the start of the show, they were five minutes short of playing three full quarters of defense on Sunday. It's actually a wonder that it was only 26 points, in my opinion. That's because the defense didn't play poorly. Oh, right up until the end, we were holding them down. They had, they had to kick field goals on their last two drives because the defense cinched up. So, be, 
The offense, on the other hand, we got sacked four times before the first half was over. Before halftime, Justin Fields was sacked four times. So when we come out from halftime, did we start getting the offensive tackles who were getting murdered? Both Jermaine Afidi and Jason Peters getting killed off the edge by Clowney and Miles Garrett. Okay, not to mention the gaffes from Daniels and Whitehair and Mustafa where, you know, they were able to cave in uh, the, pa- the, the pocket uh, in the middle, leaving Justin nowhere to go. Um, did we keep the tight ends in to help out with the tackles? Did we have chip blocks to uh, give the, you know, to slow the defensive ends down just for a split second to help out Jason Peters uh, and Jermaine Afidi? Did we move the pocket so Justin Fields could get out into open space and actually be able to look downfield or anything like that? No, we didn't do any of that shit. Not one of those things. We just kept dropping Justin Fields back with a five-man protection with just the offensive line in front of him and then just, just sat there watching him get picked apart for the entire fucking football game. That's what happened. He didn't do anything to fix what was actually happening on the field. He did nothing. He did nothing. He left Justin Fields out there to dry. And the poor kid suffered the entire football game. And God bless him. Heard some of his comments in the post game. He mentioned he was getting... When he, you know, was talking about like he'd never lost a game like that before. He's not unfamiliar with loss. He's not as familiar as we are as Bear fans. But he's like, I'm not familiar. You know, it's like I'm not comfortable with this. And he's like, uh, you know, I, I'm not okay with this. This is not, this is not what I do or, or anything like that. He mentioned he was getting goosebumps talking about it. Like that's how much that affected him. How much that, you know, bothered him. How much he wants to go back out there and fix what went wrong. Uh, on Sunday, how much of it he believes is his responsibility and what he can do to get better. He had goosebumps thinking about it. So I think Justin Fields is going to be fine. Mentally, he showed us a lot yesterday. Okay. He didn't make any stupid throws. You know, in fact, he only forced one pass um, that I thought was, you know, I was like, oh, that was not a good decision or that I was worried about it the moment it left his fingers. And that was the one that actually resulted in the pass interference that got us down to, to the goal line for the second field goal on, uh, in the, what was it the third quarter? Yeah, in the third quarter. So that actually was kind of a blessing in disguise. We got a pass interference, a bogus one, actually, but it was a 44-yard gain that we weren't going to get on our own and put us in a scoring position. And then Nagy, (laughs) I just, I just can't figure the guy out, man. Because he says stuff, he contradicts himself all the time. He will sit there and tell you he's got all the faith in his, in the world, in his offense. And then in fourth and two from the two yard line or from the three, we actually could have gotten a first down without scoring uh, there in the third quarter before the last field goal. Acting like we're going to be down here five more times before the game is over takes the safe points instead of going for the touchdown. Now, I know I would have been upset. You would have been upset if we had gone for it on fourth and goal right there where we were and we didn't get it. I understand. I would have been upset about it. You would have been upset about it. But I would not have been upset with the call. 
I wouldn't have been upset with us actually trying. Why? Because Cleveland was kicking our dick in for the entire game, and the likelihood that we would be back down there again was not good at all. So take the advantage now. Take the shot now. Because if we score there, it's 13 to 10, not 13 to 6. It's a different football game. It also, again, could have changed the morale. Maybe it gives us a boost on the sideline. Maybe the defense goes out there and makes an aggressive play, something like that to get us in the back in the ball game, get us the ball back, and you know, then maybe we're rolling kind of thing. Instead, we get it down to the two-yard line, and we kick the field goal, which kind of felt like a defeat after finding our way down there. And that's on the head coach. That's his call. He decided to take the safe points. So not only are you an incompetent play caller who put your quarterback in harm's way every single time you drop back to pass, you're a fucking coward too. Awesome. Awesome. So I've, I've had it with Nagy. So not only is he the only bear down for this week, he's the least valuable bear because we didn't have a most valuable bear uh, this week. We're going to go with the least valuable bear. And it was that bald fuck. He's, I'm done with him. I am done. Okay. Just before uh, I started, uh, I was hoping to, to see tweets saying that Nagy was being fired because I, that would have made my day. Honestly, it would have. Um, I was talking to my dad on the phone and he's at his wits end with, uh, with, uh, with Nagy and company. And he asked me who I thought would be the, uh, would, uh, who, 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 in, who in the building could take over uh, as head coach. And I was like, well, that's interesting actually, because I don't think it's either of our coordinators. I don't think Sean Desai is going to be our, our head coach. I don't think Bill Lazor would be. He's like, but we do have a head coach in the building. And it's actually Mike Pedden, who was defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, who the Bears brought in to be like a senior defensive consultant, I guess, to help out uh, Sean Desai, you know, a, a, a longtime veteran coordinator helping out and a former head coach helping out the, uh, the rookie defensive coordinator and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Who And Pettin, ironically enough, was head coach of the Browns for a spell. Imagine that. The Bears let Nagy go. Mike Pettin is elevated to interim head coach. Desai, who's aside from the, 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 you know, the bad showing in his very first game uh, as defensive coordinator against the Rams, was really good last week against the Bengals and was actually pretty good against the Browns again this week. You know, you can't put this loss on the defense, and we're back to saying after a, a week 2020 that we're, we're back to saying the defense played well enough to win the game. They did. You know, you can't really say that about yesterday's game. You can say that up through the first three quarters. They were the reason that it was only a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. But in the fourth quarter, they succumbed to the volume, essentially. Is, is, that's my opinion. It wasn't like the Browns figured it out how to stop us and, and, or how to you know, have success uh, with us. They had little bits of success here and there, that drive just before the half that made it 10-3 to 3, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, they did what Nagy refused to do. They adjusted to offset what we were doing. We had three sacks at halftime. We finished with five. The Browns had four sacks at halftime. They finished with nine. So their production in the second half went up versus ours going down as far as sack totals are concerned. They made the adjustments necessary 
to be more successful than us yesterday. Matt Nagy did not do that. He did not help Jason Peters, who was struggling with Garrett and Clowney. He did not help Jermaine Afidi, who had been the star of the offensive line for the first two weeks, but was clearly struggling uh, against Clowney and Garrett uh, this past week. (laughs) No misdirections, no moving pockets to try to get Justin Fields out of harm's way. And we did finally start booting Fields, like trying to run some play action. But at that point, the Browns had no faith that because we weren't in a, in, a, in a situation where we would be running the football, so they had no reason to bite on the fake of the handoff to Montgomery. So they just shot up the field coming right after uh, Justin Fields. They had no reason to honor the fake, none whatsoever. So at that point, it was, it was moot to even try the uh, play-action boots. You know, anytime that Fields... You know, turn the hand off and then would boot back to the opposite side. He had a defender in his face already because he knew we weren't, he wasn't going to hand off the ball. So he's just going to, you know, sit there and eat in the backfield. And he did. So it's like the stuff that he tried to do, it was too late to be trying it. He should have been doing that from the beginning. Uh, that should have been the strategy going into the game, let alone what he tried to adjust to as the game was going on. And even then, he didn't make those adjustments until it was far too late for it to matter. They knew that we were going to be throwing the ball on every down. Cleveland pinned their ears back and came and got us, period. That's all that happened. Nagy failed monumentally uh, in this ballgame. There's no other way to put it. He was a fucking disaster. Absolute disaster. So, as far as uh, the McCaskies uh, and everything, we deserve what we get for as long as you're leaving that idiot in the, uh, in the driver's seat. We, we, we deserve whatever we get, okay? God bless him if he can figure out how to turn this around and get us going in the right direction, great. If, they, if yesterday can be the blessing in disguise that, you know, either forces Nagy to turn the play calling over or, uh, you know, opens his eyes to, you know, adjusting from his scheme, which is, it just doesn't work, period, okay? Or he he's not in the right place to run the scheme. It just... Just adjust to what your team can do. I've been saying it since last year. The offense should go through David Montgomery. He was a 10,000% non-factor yesterday. Like, I was surprised to find out, A, he had as many carries, and B, he had as many yards as he did. He had 10 carries for 34 yards. I didn't even think it was that much. It's like, I don't even think I remember seeing David Montgomery on the field for 10 plays, let alone seeing him get carry the ball 10 times. No, but instead, we put it all in the rookie's back, and we put him in the <laughs> We had him doing seven-step drops with a five-man protection with a suspect offensive line that was being eaten alive the entire football game. We didn't do anything to help out the offensive line because, God forbid, we should be running a, a route that only has you know, four people in it as opposed to uh, uh, six or five or whatever, you know. So, we, you know, you keep the tight ends in. You got three men out there, you know, because you got seven-man protection. The quarterback, that's eight. So, you got three receivers out there. No, that's not going to happen. Even with the extra time that the tight ends and whatnot are going to be able to give you. Nope, we're just going to. Sit them back there. We're going to make sure that we got all the targets that we can possibly have out there. Empty backfield, five-man protection, 
we're going to have five receivers out there looking to catch a pass. And uh, Justin Fields has about nine nanoseconds. He can't even finish his drop, and he's got he's to alter things because somebody's either coming right at him or about to come up from behind him uh, or something like that. It was a dast. And, and like I said, Nagy did nothing. He did nothing to offset it. He did nothing to fix it. He didn't roll with it or anything. He just let it keep coming. You know, I, I've said before, like, I feel like Nagy is a an emotional play caller. He's that guy that plays Madden and goes for it on fourth and 26 because he knows this place works. You know, I know this play works. I'm not going to punt. I'm going for it. This, he's going to catch the damn ball. He's been open twice. He's dropped it. He's going to catch the ball. We're going for it on fourth and 26 at our own six-yard line. I don't care. That's nagging. That's nagging. Or that's the impression I get anyway. Or maybe he's just an ignorant shithead. I don't know. But that's it. I'm done. So we'll be back for the the preview episode or the review, excuse me, for week number three. Close the book on this disaster. Knee-jerk reactions and the whole lot uh, will be on tap uh, as well. So come on back tomorrow for the, uh, for the full-blown uh, review with the knee-jerk reactions. Probably have to put the explicit tag on that one too because I am really pissed off about yesterday's game, man. I really am. Um, because it's also got the talking heads saying like, well, Justin Fields, uh, you know, that, well, that's why they weren't playing him. Justin Fields wasn't ready. It's like, how do we know? Honestly, how do we know? It's like, if he goes out next week against the, the Lions and struggles, then yes, I will be on the, well, you know what? He probably isn't ready yet. Train. I will. But he spent the entire day running for his life. From the start of the day all the way until the final snap, he was running for his life uh, against the Browns. Matt Nagy did nothing to protect him, nothing to help him or anything like that. So I can't, I don't put anything that happened yesterday on fields because what I did see from fields, aside from that one throw that actually generated a pass interference call, I don't blame anything on what happened yesterday on Justin Fields. It's not, he can't block the guys that are coming. He didn't turn the football over. He didn't make any errant, stupid throws that you know got picked off. He didn't turn the ball over. He protected the ball. And just... <sighs> Nagy just left him out there and re-picked the part. I just, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Nine sacks and it just kept coming. So, yeah. Fuck that guy. Anyway, like I said, come on back tomorrow for the full-blown review, knee-jerk reactions, uh, and all the like. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.